I'm going to do the pregame action thing again. Okay. I will be dropping a land. Okay. My pregame action. <laughs> All right. Just say it specifically. Okay. What? What do you mean? I said gemstone caverns. Oh, whatever. You guys <laughs> just don't understand me. I speak in clear <laughs> fucking English. Welcome to the Mock Stars Podcast. I'm Evan, and I am here with my great friends, Jordan Garcia. Yo, what up? And Christopher Ritter. I had a pregame action, actually. Well, yeah. you forgot to ask about the oh, pregame. Ah, oh, jeez. Well, we got to go. Let's keep going. Well, I've got a gemstone caverns. So you had a pregame action, too? I did, but I just chose not to. So you're going to play that without the luck counter? Correct. Okay, that... I, Colorless deck. That's galaxy brain stuff. I need stuff. my hand. You know what? We we have a link tree. <laughs> yeah, you guys can check out the link tree below. Uh, all, like, all that stuff down there. Uh, you can f- find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash mockstarsmtg. You can find us on there streaming most weekdays, uh, doing a little arena action on there. And you can find new episodes of the Mock Stars podcast every single Friday. Our YouTube account. Like, subscribe, and hit that little bell for notifications. Ding. Uh, today we're uh, we're have a few topics of conversation. Our first is going to be that huge Phyrexia all will be one leak that happened this past week, which is just groundbreaking. Uh, absolutely great stuff from a set that we're, is highly anticipated. We're going to be talking about some of the decks that we've been working on lately, some stuff that we're like implementing in our upgrades, what we're taking out, what we're putting in, and specifically well, like what decks we're, we're talking about and how maybe the leaks may help our upgrade our decks. And then our main topic of the day is the financial life cycle of cards like when are we looking to buy cards how are we approaching that like it's something that all of us do on a day-to-day basis when we're you know scoping through card kingdom and just seeing what the cost of an oracle of Maldaya is gonna is gonna be uh for you at this point in time so uh yeah a lot of exciting stuff uh to talk about today a lot of topics to cover so let's get right into it. Let's do it. Let's talk about some leaks, baby. Got a nice okay, juicy yeah. little leak this week. Yeah, it was just insane to like see this actually happen and unfold because I thought it was just going to be one drop. I saw on Reddit the initial leak. Some guy had just posted an imger link where it just had like all these images with his thumb in every single one of them. And it was great to like, and the thing was, it was all rares. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't any uncommons it was all rares was this leak separate or related to how people were pulling uh things out of that uh bonus slot and dominaria remastered packs that were coming from one it's from that this is yeah so it was actually a mistake these are cards that this guy was pulling from dominaria remastered boxes that he had bought so like Mm. that's how the leaks happened so it does suck because it like we've been waiting and it's been highly anticipated, as I said, you know, for Phyrexia all will be one. And to like see it happen this way, you know, it's a little bit of like uh, obviously a mistake in production to have those cards slotted in. But so they put the cards in the Dominaria thing? Yeah, yeah. By yeah. Those pack. Yep. I thought it was like yeah, it was, it was, a cheeky little move. No, it uh, was the retro frame slot is what that was supposed to be, right? Right, right. Yeah. Instead of doing that, they did Phyrexia cards. By accident. Not intentionally. 
Correct. That's fantastically bad. <laughs> yeah. They're hey, Wizards is or Hasbro is we, just like a small time company. They Hey, we went all know, big they're on, ironing it out still. Hey, they made over a billion dollars last yeah. year. Right. They they went huge for year thirty. Year thirty one, they're fucking completely checked out. Yeah. I mean it's happened a few times in the past where like cards have just like squeaked in, you know, but it's like one or two cards. It's not fifty eight out of the sixty rares in the set. Mm-hmm. Like that's how that's big of, of a leak it was. So uh, what kind of cards are you seeing on here that's uh, grabbing your guys' interest? Personally, for me, I am absolutely in love with Skrelv's Hive. Like, I saw that and I thought, that is going to be a card that I'm going to target and play with and put into my decks. I love enchantments, one. Two, Bitter Blossom is one of the best cards ever printed. And now they're creating a second Bitter Blossom that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, you're going to create a 1-1 white artifact creature token, Might. And uh, it has toxic one, and then it can't block. Yeah, and it, the, did you say that it's a white card as opposed to Bitter Blossom being black? Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and All that's right. great, too, because now you have two cards essentially doing a lot of the same work in uh, Orzov Colors, which is the token color. Totally. Right, yeah, I, I absolutely love the card, and I'm excited for it. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just Bitter Blossom one of the, is one of those cards you're like it doesn't read like it's that good right it's it's op and you just see it play and you're like wow you know what's crazy is when you take a historically op card and then add another line of text onto it yeah because you didn't read the whole card yeah <laughs> the other line of text is corrupted as long as an opponent has three or more poison counters creatures you control with toxic have lifelink yeah, 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 I just omitted that part entirely. Which, Which is, is relevant. <laughs> it is hugely relevant. Because if you're running two Bitter Blossom effects, you're losing two life every upkeep. Right. right. So, yeah, they're like, I guess the thought is it's negating it. Oh, negative man. effect. But holy crap, like, did this need more lines of text? I mean, you can play this with like, like Wedding Invitation or whatever, and when it flips, it just everything becomes crazy like you just start gaining life out like crazy for this wow yeah actually it's yeah i mean bad. there's lots of uh toxic decks that are ready to pop out yeah i'm interested well. to see yeah. how like how this kind of affects like constructed like standard maybe historic there was a question almost like right away once this was released and people are like out of all the rares and all the leaks that we saw today is toxic something that can actually be a deck in like standard right now like if you took these cards and you plugged them into standard right now can this be a deck? Oh, I think absolutely. Yeah. I, I think there are the tools there definitely for a deck in standard. Mm-hmm. And maybe even even though it's a nerfed version of Poison, I think you know there's a few cards here that synergize just the right way and fill some of those slots that are missing from uh, Poison decks in Eternal formats. Yeah, Go for the Throat has been such a common piece of removal and efficient piece of removal in standard lately that these just like... This just... These cards work their way around some of the most efficient removal in standard right now. Yeah, you're going to start seeing lots of other cards come up because totally. Yep. Yeah, like cu- play that. Cut down's going to be real good. Cut down's going to be good. Yep. And so, yeah, like this toxic thing, I even Screlve, Defector Might, the toxic one, it basically has all those like same abilities as the tokens that are created, except it has a Mother of Runes effect where you can pay one Phyrexian White. Tap it, choose a color, another target creature you control gains toxic one, and hexproof from that color until the end of turn, and it can't be blocked by creatures of that color until the end of turn. So it's it's kind of crazy. Like, I think Skrelv in general is great flavor. I don't know what it, their purpose is in this set, but uh, so far, super hyped for the toxic, and we haven't even seen the mythic cards that are going to help support this toxic strategy. 
or a lot of the uncommons that are probably going to be better. Yeah, in the mythic slot, like if you're crunching the numbers, I saw on Reddit today. Uh, you know, there's still space for like a new. Uh, what is what is that toxic dragon called? Oh, Skithrix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. That's still there's still room for a new one of those, yeah. and that would make sense definitely. The number crunching community is one of my favorite things to follow once leaks and spoilers start mm-hmm. happening. They make sense of it for yeah. real. Yeah. Yep. They totally boil it down and they figure out exactly like down like in alphabetical order what could possibly fill those slots. There's a whole game behind it. Well, I just think I just found a green card that's gonna help uh, the green decks and standard kind of wage their way back into viability. Thrunbreaker of Silence is a three green green legendary creature troll shaman. It has, it can't be countered. Trample is a five five. He also says he can't be the target of non-green spells your opponents control or abilities from non-green sources your opponents control. As long as it's your turn, he also has an indestructible. <laughs> Wasn't Colossal Dreadmaw running standard when it was standard league? No, that's uh, a Colossal Dreadmaw. The uh, hexproof. Yeah, the hexproof trample. Oh, Carnage Tyrant. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so it has trample. It has essentially hexproof. Essentially hexproof. There's a word salad on there that makes it good when you add it all up right essentially it, yeah almost like questing beast like you see questing beast and you realize it just does more every time you read it and i feel like that this card is a lot gonna do that too right yeah and the old throne was definitely a card that uh made its way into a lot of modern decks pre-modern horizons so right so that's pretty right. interesting that's pretty spicy right there i think we're gonna see a lot of gas out of this set and i think we're gonna see a lot of formats impacted from the gas that comes out of this set yeah, I'm actually really excited to see what removal gets plugged into this. We haven't really seen much removal in the rare slot yeah, so I was far. Just, yeah. but I was just, uh, I mean, in general, even at the common and uncommon slot, like it, what are the removal spells that are going to be in this new standard format? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And exactly. like you were saying with Go for the Throat, like uh, we need a clean answer to artifact creatures right now, especially with Brothers War and, and Dominaria. It's, it's going to really be huge. And all, all the yeah. stuff's coming out next year, I can only imagine, or I guess this year, I can only imagine how many artifact creatures we're going to be seeing out there. Oh, yeah, because they're staying on the theme, right? Yeah. So we're yeah. going to see more of it. Yeah, my theory for this is th- one of the best pieces of removal that's going to come out of this set is going to be something that has corrupted stapled to it. That's going to say like, uh, you know, like revolt for fatal push. We might mm-hmm. be seeing a one black mana destroy target creature and then or with mana value three or less. And then if you're the corrupted ability, if an opponent has three or more poison counters, then destroy target creature. Yeah, I, I mean, that definitely fits into the game design, like because you think of things like uh tragic slip also is like where it was right. playing with the keyword that was in that set and it's much better um when you, know. you hit yep. the threshold yeah, yeah very true uh i want to point out that also both of the face commanders for the pre-cons that are coming out got spoiled at the same time uh which is pretty exciting there's the uh boros guy that i think is the most interesting uh, he's Naali's son's vanguard. He's two red white for a legendary human rebel. Attacking tokens you control have double strike is just spicy. And like I definitely yeah. said earlier, Boros is the color of tokens. But Boros is the color of tokens. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. Let's just, just do a little quick it. rewind yep. on that. Uh, he also says every time one or more tokens you control attack a player, exile the top card of your library. Uh, during any turn you have attacked, you can play that card. He's a 3-3. So we're seeing card advantage on an mm-hmm. aggro commander, pushing damage at the same time of continuing to fuel resources. I think this is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, I think the best thing that could happen for this is if it also created tokens, but I get why it doesn't. Otherwise, it would just be 
everything all in throw eminence on it yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but uh screlves hive again gonna be great in this in this freaking deck so uh yeah card advantage stapled to commanders oftentimes leads to success yeah, and that's not even um, a generic card value engine, which is kind of like when right. you, when you look at that, like um, that's a sort of low effort way to do it sometimes. But I think there's enough flavor there where it's actually worth building around this those, guy. Those are my favorite kind of decks, the decks that make you work for a little bit for it a little bit, but also pay you off maybe 10 15 percent more than had you not done that mm-hmm. yeah like for example with the party time pre-con like uh i think we've both found that burakos is the much more playable card versus the face commander nalia who was a generic value engine true yeah and then yeah burakos is the complete opposite he asks you to build around him but you instantly get paid off for it yeah the background really helps out with that too yeah exactly right so, exactly right since he is all creature he's all party types anything you play in your deck is going to draw you a card mm-hmm. i will say i do hate playing background it's fucking awful but there are there are some great uh commander background there are i just hate having to invest mana into a resource that only attaches to my commander so i've had to cast both i get that it's trying to get around the broken aspect of partner commanders in the past Mm -hmm. uh i just hate it i mean i think background might be might work better not better probably it's broken if it almost works something like eminence where like once you cast it it's a global effect for you where it becomes like an emblem emblem or something you know something like that that. yeah yeah we're all nodding our heads because i think that is just the way that it should be done the way Mm -hmm. that it should have been done i get that it would be broken sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) well that's why they put a lot of those effects like only this can only trigger once per turn Mm -hmm. right like what about a fixed eminence what if we saw something like that yeah honestly the folk hero background would not be broken if it was had eminence, yeah, and like, it still, you know, it was the same thing. You know, yeah, so Edgar Markov said once per turn you get to make a one. Yeah, it just empire. says when Barakos enters the battlefield, he draws a card because that's the background you chose. You know, yeah. it's like you could have chosen a different background and maybe bounced a creature instead or something. I don't know. I like that they're messing around with these kind of mechanics and stuff, and I want to see how it grows in the future. I don't know if anything will happen with background necessarily, but they are playing with command zones and how all that works and stuff. Uh, I'm glad they're not scared to do it after the whole companion situation, I guess. Yeah, bring companions back, please. <laughs> I think companions are a lot of fun and has, has a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, I would love if they printed a new cycle of companions, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, now that they've put some thought into it, seen how that game, how it's implemented in gameplay, like, what aspects of it are broken, like, what is the appropriate power level for, you know, something of this nature? Yeah, exactly. I would love to see more of that. Uh, the other card I want to point out is the other face commander for the other deck uh, because this is our first whisperings of an Atraxa coming. Uh, it is, I have no idea how to pronounce this, Excel, I-X-H-E-L. Excel, Descendant of Atraxa. It is a one white, black, green legendary creature for Exxon Angel. Flying, Vigilance two, vigilance and Toxic 2 for a 2-5. It's got Corrupted. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent who has three or more poison counters exiles the top card of his or her library face down. You may look at and play those cards along with your mana exiled, and you can spend mana to do so uh, of any color. So that's pretty spicy, generic value mm-hmm. card draw engine. Yeah, what's notable about this is that it's missing blue, so it's not an exact like descendant of Atraxa. Uh, right. Also, when they've used... Because the spoiler, I believe, is in Spanish or Portuguese, and um, when they did this translation for other cards, it actually translated to Scion, 
in different languages. Oh, that's cool. So um, when you look at it, it might end up being in the English print, Excel Scion of Atraxa, which would make sense as why it, it may be missing colors. or, or mm, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so. But what do you think about it? I think it's pretty interesting. I think we're seeing a ton more of this effect of the exiling, getting it like all I, over the place. I honestly think flying and vigilance is just the strongest or one of the strongest combinations of keywords you can put on a card. <laughs> and then you put Toxic 2 on there and you're like... Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, it's like having... What are the stats on there? Is it a chunky body? 2-5. Okay. Flying Vigilance. I mean, that Vigilance comes into play right there. Like, yep. you can block probably one of their biggest attackers, right? Yeah, yeah. so essentially two hits from it and you are triggering Corrupted, right? Because you have to have three. Is that, how it, is that always the Right, case? and so this requires a little bit of a build around for sure. Like, you have to hit that, like, that threshold in order to like start doing the things this deck wants to do. Right. So, yeah, I think the card's great. And it does require that, like we were talking about, even with the other deck, you have to put pieces in in order to make it work. It's not just going to work on its own. Yeah, so. this is like the intended Toxic Commander. Correct, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. And that again, that Screv's whatever the heck, the Bitter yeah. Blossom in white is going to be perfect in that. And I think that this is another thing where it's like, you could actually plug this into the 99 of Atraxa and have a more casual... Uh, infect variant. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be very uh, helpful for that infect. Um, and speaking of Atraxa, moving on to our Brewer's Corner, I have been working on an Atraxa build lately. You and have? We played I, against it last week. Yeah, and I'm super excited for the new Atraxa to come out, see what, what differences there are. But there is a card from the leak that I'm specifically interested in it's uh called izuri stalker of spheres and it says when it enters the battlefield you can pay three and if you do proliferate twice and that or you yeah proliferate twice and then whenever you proliferate draw a card so it's a great ability especially as like especially in this deck that at the beginning of your end step it just says draw a card and uh so interesting that's on a on a etb for that right 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 and so I think with the Atraxa deck that I played last week, I saw some, uh, I guess, faults, like some like defects in the armor a little bit. I did not have enough pr protection for Atraxa. I, yeah, we, uh, the whole table wanted I got, to remove her <laughs> yeah. as soon as she dropped. I got yeah. dogpiled like a motherfucker. Yeah, it so. didn't help that Chris and I were also playing two new decks that are both control decks at the same time. I Well, I guess the thing is, is when I first started teaching Jordan and then Rusty how to play Magic, the thing was is that I had an Atraxa deck that was just like the top of the table. It was really hard to beat. It was just a deck that could, you know, come out, like dig itself out of any hole and uh, find a way to win. And so like rebuilding this, I didn't want to rebuild that deck. Like I know times have changed a lot, but I wanted to do something a little bit more fun. And so this build is actually fractal-based. So... um <laughs> Fractalaxa, I don't know, like uh, attractals. <laughs> I like attractals. I think that's yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> but I, I only got to pull it off, and so I have a little, uh, or like maybe like I got like two fractals last last week. But um, I really wanted to build around Kazmina um, from Strixhaven because mm -hmm. she gives all planeswalkers her abilities, and one of her abilities is minus X create a zero zero uh fractal creature token with x plus one plus one counters on it so it's a very plus one plus one counter based deck um but i wanted it to be fractals and overrun and like punch face just so happens like, that planeswalkers also work great with the track size yeah exactly that's like the side benefit to the whole thing so 
I'm currently looking at just like plugging in more protections and plugging in so I can keep my value engine on the battlefield mm-hmm. and maybe not have it gilded draped. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. Yeah, or have it sniped off the field. I didn't even get to make contact with Atraxa once. Are, yeah, are you familiar with a little card called Swiftfoot Boots? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, yeah. I am. Shout out to Kyle. Yeah, I actually did not put it in there because I was just like, I want to give people a chance, right? And I don't think <laughs> people would take that chance. You don't want to give them that chance, I, I think. I mean, look what yeah. Kyle does. He knows yeah. every single deck he brings to the table, he knows he plays a commander that needs to be killed. Yeah. So it's his pet card gets in every single deck he plays yeah. because of it. It's like uh, I need to put an Enlightened Tutor just so I can search out the Lightning Greaves. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so you, the deck needs a little refinement because fractals aren't, well, surprise, surprise, fractals aren't the most efficient form of plus one, plus one counter generation or, uh, you know, building value. So it, it's funny that there's a lot of cards that stimulate the fractal strategy, like oversimplify, gives everyone a massive fractal creature and it just consolidates all their creatures which is great um but yeah the deck is a work in progress i really want to keep moving forward with that idea um and if there's enough interest leave a comment down below on the youtube video and uh if you want to know more about the deck list that'd be yeah, maybe more a little, than happy uh, to share it yeah little deck video on it a little deck tech yeah exactly um but yeah uh what are you guys working on chris Oh, I, oh, yeah, sure. I'm going to talk about the deck that I brought last week because uh, I got some reps with it rather than the deck I'm bringing tonight because I have two new decks. Ooh. Uh, so last week's new deck was the Reality Chip, Mono Blue Control. Uh, not really the type of player I am. I typically do not spend blue mana even in conjunction with other colors. Um, and... I just wanted to see what it was like. And as it turns out, it's a very satisfying uh, feeling to sit there at the table and not have to do anything because everyone is worried that you're holding up interaction. It's pretty great, right? Yeah. You have a full hand, uh, lots of untapped mana, and just people are afraid to play their spells. There were too yeah. many times when we went around the table and no one played anything. And I just looked at you and I said, I'm going to walk right into your counter spells. I do not give a fuck. Oh, yeah. I feel like we just took two turns off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when we which, is, which is the wrong way to do it. You're just giving the control player more time to accumulate more interaction exactly, in their hand. Exactly, like, right. You, you, you're, you have to draw out that interaction with low-value pieces earlier in the game. You know, you have to get your opponents to... Um, goaded out themselves out of the you know control player's hand and give you a chance to do something like uh it requires more politicking and more just like burning resources i think yeah and uh so you know it was fun being on the other end of that and uh because i never i've you know in my almost 30 years playing magic i have n- never really been a blue player, and I've never experienced that. So it was kind of fun. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like right at my wheelhouse. That's my favorite thing to do. So interact. And I love to be interactive. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I love to interact in different ways, but yeah. not like, uh, you know, because t- counter spells, and that's primarily the way that blue does it besides bounce effects. It's And even bounce effects are all timing related interaction. Huge decision yep. points. How did you find uh, your success with like, being the control player at a four-player pod because it's drastically different, obviously, than like a one v one. I mean, it, it's just threat assessment. It's like which of these things do I really need to counter because what actually affects me? You know, exactly, right? Yeah. What is going to accumulate value and like is this the right time to stick my finger in? Yeah, yep. like because there's lots of things that can happen, and uh, you know, what do you actually need to worry about? Like, you know, right. Like you don't want to burn a force will, but uh, other blue player playing a rhystic study on turn three is pretty terrifying because that like, it'll just run away. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I think during one of those games, I let the Ristic study sit for a few turns and either I let someone else take care of it or I just waited a while before yeah. it got too much value. That's the thing about our, our pod is you know people have interaction. So it is like you have to pick and choose when you let other people interact or mm-hmm. when you need to finally like step in. Yeah, I forget. There might have been like a politics deal where I was like, hey, I'm probably holding interaction for something else you're worried about if... Kyle, you can remove this for me right now. Yeah, right. Kyle, yeah. I, I was the one with the Ristic study, and Kyle killed it. Yeah. I got three cards off of it, and then it died. There we so. go. Were there any things from your deck, like any improvements like you see that you wanted to make? Like I know that when you played the reality chip, you had a hard time getting it to stick to a creature. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm playing 16 creatures in that deck, which is a lot for a blue deck, and I just uh, didn't pull any creatures. I think I lost the first game. Um and the second game I won without the reality chip because he got removed a couple times and at that point it was like seven to recast and wasn't worth it and I instead spent that seven mana on Leveler followed by Thassa's Oracle. <laughs> that was you know? funny. We were just so gassed out by that point. You're like, I'm just gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, I had counter target non creature spell and that was the only interaction I had and you you were just like found a way to slip right under that. So. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's what blue does. Like it waits its turn to win at instant speed, right. kind of. You know. Yeah, that's funny. You're playing leveler and Thassa's Oracle in the in the reality chip deck. That was very unexpected. I like that. Yeah. Um, well, Jordan, what deck are you playing right now? Um, well, we're in the Brewers' corner. We're talking about what we've been brewing and stewing on. Uh, I'll say I got two things for you. The deck I played last week was also a hell lot of fun, but it needs a little fine tuning, and that's Junji, the Midnight Sky. Mm-hmm. It's the mono black dragon. Uh, I'm really trying to set it up with some kind of loopy, reanimating nonsense, but it feels like there's a lot of A pieces and not a lot of B pieces. What was uh, that? What was that mono black one drop tribal deck that you played way back in the day? Oh shit. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's the spirit guy. Yeah, it's from Modern Horizons. Uh, but shoot, I do remember that deck, and it reminds me a lot of that. Like yeah, you for sure. Making a lot of game actions without really do it going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of finding like better outlets, and I do have it. It was just first time playing it, and there's so many, so many game actions, so many options available to you all mm-hmm. the time. You're tutoring and needing to figure out what you need, so it'll probably just be a little fine tuning on that front as I uh, get there. But it is a lot of fun, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I think I just needed a deck in our like mid power table that was an engine, something I could you know spin some wheels and stuff. And I just feel like I haven't had that. If I'm playing casually lately, I've just been playing creature based strategies, and that's not usually my go to. Mm-hmm. So that's why I proxied up these new decks. I've been playing on Hello uh, Control. I love me some Grixis bullshit. We all know that. And then uh, yeah, the Mono Black Reanimator Dragon seemed like a lot of fun. So it was a fun deck to play against. Definitely gave me some uh, ideas for the deck I'm bringing tonight. Sweet. So. Ooh, very excited to see it. Do you want to give us a little sneak peek? Uh, it's it's Gix Yogmoth Praetor. Yeah. Just really doing uh, using all the text on the card. It's a three CMC commander, so it's low to the ground. The first ability um, encourages a slugfest and creates card draw off of that. So lots of creatures with menace and skull and other evasive abilities love um and then the third part of the card which is playing your opponent's cards which uh black likes to do and you know dipping into praetor's grasp and things like that i love it i'm excited to see it and i've seen a few yagmoths especially more in like the uh brawl section but i'm Mm. excited to see it as a full commander deck i think there's tons of potential it's mono black edric and yeah uh black is good (laughs) it's a good color black is good like i i mean you by going mono black, you don't really lose access to a lot of stuff because black has its own version of a lot of things that you want to do in other colors. Like, you know, it has lots of card draw like blue. It just yeah. happens to be like 
there's loss of life associated with it. It is one of the colors yeah. I think stands alone the best because mm-hmm. it's, it's just got an option for everything. Unconditional tutors. Yeah, you know? that also helps a lot. And card draw, just stable too. You and lose life, lots of card draw. Yeah, lose life in the process, but you just... But who cares yeah. about that, dude? Yeah, you're burning the, burning the candle at both ends. Exactly. The only other thing I'd say I've been working on right now is still playing that mono blue Hottie Jin deck in standard, uh, and I'm really excited to add Silver Scrutiny to the deck as a uh, card draw option. I've been playing uh, some top end... Th- what does that card do? I'm, I'm not ooh, familiar. Oh, great question. It's from Brothers War. It's X blue blue for a sorcery. And it says draw X cards, but if X is three or less, your sorcery gains flash. So essentially, your max at instant speed is you can do a five mana draw three at instant speed. Oh, okay. Which is pretty pretty nice. Yeah. Or it just kind of scales with you throughout the game. You know, usually my games run long because I'm a control player. So being able to, you know, just draw six when I need to is going to be fantastic. Uh, I am going to put it in place of what I've been testing lately is my... uh, flow of knowledge where you draw equal to the number of islands you have yeah I, I imagine the rate is actually better exactly yeah like i've had some very explosive draws with a well, resolved flow of knowledge but like being able to regularly draw three i think is significantly better than being able to draw six every you know 10 to 20 games yeah uh so yeah i'm excited to test that out and see how that works other than that you know blue sense twilight i got my eye on that from phyrexia uh, Great card. I think that's going to make that deck just absolutely gas, but I'll keep you guys posted. All right. Uh, we've had our subject, like our subtopics go a little long, but we're going to get into our main subject, and we're talking about the life cycle, the financial life cycle of cards, and what our actual strategies are. And when we're looking at cards to buy or to, uh, you, you know, like sit and wait or whatever, how we approach that whole process. And it's, kind of funny that like this whole leak thing happened and it, it just gets my my the gears in my brain turning on like what do i expect a pre-release price to be on some of these cards like when when they finally are officially announced you know and then there's also the other part of the conversation where dominaria remastered just came out and all those one mana tutors that whole cycle gamble worldly tutor mystical tutor enlightened tutor and vampiric tutor they all are dropped here and you're sitting there and you're wondering when is it the right time to buy like i think uh now feels like a good time to buy speaking of unconditional tutors a vampiric tutor for 30 bucks that yes. is a great price on it so we're looking at right now that's hot i cannot believe like in that like uh chris you also saw this uh sort of like I would say I wouldn't say it's an article, but a post on uh, a really well researched Reddit post. Yes, yes. And I pulled it up here so that we could reference it. But uh, user Honor Basquiat, uh, Basquiat, Basquiat uh, posted this today, and it was just a reference to how many cards have seen a dip in financial value over the course of time due to reprints, which is exactly what the player base has been asking for. for Specifically years. Commander Staples. Yes. And Eternal Format Staples. Yes. And, and so, like, the first card they mentioned was Baleful Strix, was once a $22 card, and now it's a sub-$2 card. Which seems about right. I, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, I would feel real bad paying 22 bucks for a Baleful Strix. But it's a good card. It's a good enough card that, like, you wouldn't want to omit it. Right, right. Back in the day, I mean, it was your best option as like an artifact creature with flying, death touch, enter the battlefield, draw a card. You yeah, know? and you know, if you're playing four of those in modern, like, Seems good. yeah, right, that's really good getting that consistently on the battlefield. But then you're also spending close to a hundred dollars. Totally, right, which on, seems insane yeah. on the alternative. Yep, and and like 
cards like Felwar Stone was once a six dollar card. Now it's less than a dollar. Wayfarer's Bobble, Wayfarer's Bobble, four dollars now, just a one dollar card. Scalding Tarn was a hundred plus dollars in two thousand nineteen, yes. and now because of Modern Horizons two and the reprints we've seen, it's now sub twenty. Yeah, I, I mean, on, on the personal tip, like you know, and it's like I own a playset of Khan's Polluted Deltas. Because they were a $15 fetch land when I got them. And even though I'm mostly an Orzhov player, I didn't couldn't get the Marsh Flats because they were $50 at the time. And now that role's reversed. Yeah, right. we just had the greatest gift dropped off at the deli this last week. And our beer rep dropped off his old collection, unfiltered. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we started rolling through it. And we see a bunch of old borders and like from like Visions, Onslaught, and stuff like that. And Jordan's rifling through and he finds two onslaught bloodstained myers Ooh, nice which yeah yeah fifty dollars and the thing is there it has been a select printing of fetch lands like uh modern horizons 2 didn't see the whole cycle reprinted and so there are cards like uh bloodstained mire and wooded foothills that are, uh, are still yeah flooded, flooded strand is still up there I yeah think. yeah yeah and still climbing so we're just waiting maybe the next modern horizons we see another reprint um, but yeah, it's crazy. Cards like Lily on the Veil was ninety dollars, and now you can get one for twenty. So. Also, on the personal tip, I bought them at the ninety dollar price point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it uh, feels a little bad right well, you now. You couldn't have yeah. known, you know. Yeah. like uh, it was was not a card that anyone was expecting to be reprinted in Dominaria United. It was like, are you kidding me? Are you putting Lily on the Veil back into standard like with this set? It just seemed crazy, and then you see it play, and it's actually not overpowered which is very confusing to me because i've seen the card played a hundred times well as someone who's lived through liliana standard like it all it was a very good card but it's it there's a little uh myth that built up about it like uh you know the people that live through eldrazi winter are just like you know just grizzled you don't know you weren't there like <laughs> yeah. it, you know uh whatever the opposite of rose colored glasses were Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, three mana planeswalkers have always had a bad reputation. Yeah. Really, really good, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Always really good. Um, but I guess when I'm lending my perspective to how I'm approaching these cards, I'm always sort of looking at how these vendors value them first. Like, I know what I want to pay for these cards, and I don't want to pay it. I don't want to pay a dime for any of them. I want, just want the card. But when I see a pre sale price come up, like back in the day, uh, when I saw Finale of Devastation drop as a pre-order, they were seven dollars. I, how many did you buy at that price? I bought eight of them. That, I, ooh, that feels yeah. good. It felt really good. I still yeah. have them, and so you have all eight. No, I, I traded some of them in okay. so I could get pre-release foils. Yeah. So like, there was a point where they were fifty dollars a piece, and I sold two of them back, and mm -hmm. I just, I, the conversion rate was two non-foils for a foil, and I was like cool yeah i think with one or two yeah. reprintings they're still like 35 right now right? there's no reprints of it yet yeah oh there's no reprints no reprints yet. Oh, oh, no. What a, I, i'm thinking i know what i'm thinking yeah the finale yeah. the finale set i don't know when the right time for a reprint for that would be you know it's I feel like, like we've it was, had other reprints of the other ones the bad one yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> they put them in commander decks and shit like that yeah, has they, torment of hailfire been uh reprinted isn't that technically part of that cycle right um it was from the same set but it wasn't part of the cycle does black have a card in that cycle yeah they had a finale oh did they um i always finale assume, of despair oh really i yeah, always assume that like torment that. of hailfire was the 
a black shaded version of that. No, they did a whole cycle. Of okay, oh, it's yeah. funny to be yeah. like similar set and yeah. you know very similar vibe. You know, and then uh, it was that same set they dropped God Eternal Ronus, and it was a four dollar pre order. And so I literally tried to buy thirty two of those because I like I was like that is a card like the overrun effect, but it didn't give trample. So eh, maybe not the best investment. It was decent. Like I still like I sold them at seven or eight dollars. So whatever. Um, but like that is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the initial drop of the uh, the initial release of a pre-order price. Mm-hmm. And now the market has gotten so inflated um, that we've seen set after set release. And when they release, they don't hold value. So yeah. pre-ordering is just not a good idea anymore. It used to be like you would there would be this wave, and you would if you could get in early enough where pre-orders went up, they had not gotten spiked based off of hype yet, all or, the prices. Or, yeah, or the algorithm or whatever. Right. So if you got there early enough, you'd be able to lock in pre-orders at a low rate and then watch everything climb over the next two weeks until release, and then everything would slowly trickle back down over the next few months and stuff like that. So usually the best time was to buy after the set came out, buy like a good month or two, let all my, everybody sell the shit back to the stores, or right up front like if you could get in first first thing but i feel like that's not even the case anymore i don't think that's on the table like once you go look at pre-order prices the second it's up it is like they're just guessing and they're setting a higher inflated rate because they know people are going to do it yeah there's there's no way i think as a even like an experienced magic player or someone that like looks in the market to look at a set that's not going to hold value and know what the meat hook massacre is or what the shoal rate is even if you know that shoal rate is going to be good like, how do you know that's going to stick at that? Both those cards are going to stick around the $50 or $60 value range. Right. Whereas, like, there's certain things like when um, uh, Dominaria United came out, uh, Activated Sleeper uh, was like a $10 pre order initially. And you know that card's not going to stick at 10 bucks because it's just like it's too specific. And I knew to wait to drop for it to drop to like three bucks or something. Yeah. You know? Card-, Card Kingdom's algorithm is that if they make a sale, like after a certain point they look at the number of sales that have been happening how consistent they are and they'll keep slowly increment mm-hmm. it like that price up and so it's inflated i remember belladross witherbloom was spoiled and i got them for eight dollars a piece and i thought i was just like i thought i was styling because the pre-order price at the end before like the day before the set dropped was fifty five dollars was that pre or post the um colored dragon cycle from Baldur's gate uh pre pre okay yeah so I really thought like I had hit a home run and I was like really going to be swimming in it. But then it, it just like it turned out that when the set dropped, they dropped almost immediately down to like 17 bucks. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I still got a good deal, but it's like I'm not turning a $7 card for a $50 card. And it, it's these inflated algorithms that just like push almost the entire market. That's a crazy thing that card, the crazy power that Card Kingdom has is that they have such an influence over how everyone views the market like you check your card kingdom and then you realize for convenience i go there but i'm gonna go check it tcg player and people there are just like pricing just slightly below card kingdom or you know sometimes it's a little bit egregious what card kingdom charges but um yeah it's just kind of wild how they approach selling cards because they can get away with it right they can do anything my best bet for the the kind of early bird approach is never on card kingdom anymore it's actually going to tcg player because it's it's a billion different shops right and the market hasn't been set on any of these cards especially with how much the market has been volatile lately and changing pretty drastically i think 
everything was very very like similar for the last few years as far as like ebb and flow of sets and price fluctuations but now everything feels very different gas is on the fire everything's way more expensive things aren't dropping like they used to or and uh that should be necessarily um so i go into tcg player and you end up just finding somebody like underpricing something before the market really dives into it and so you can actually pick up some of those early pre-releases there i found but that is still kind of becoming a fewer and further between thing. Yeah, I think the old way of approaching it is no longer going to work. Like, the home runs we hit in the past are a thing of the past. And it's like, they're cool stories to tell, but, like, the approach has to change. Yeah, I mean, for me almost, it's like, I think I've taken the approach that I'm not doing a lot of Mm pre-orders, that I am going to let things settle out, and I'm going to end up spending the same money Still, you know, not getting a great price on the chase card that I wanted that's still hovering at that inflated price. But man, am I going to save a lot of money on those other cards that were overinflated? Right. Like when Nuka Penna dropped and Ledger Shredders came out, like this was one that I uh, absolutely hit a home run on. I got Borderless Foils for $4 and I was had no idea what to expect from it, but I knew the card was worth more than $4. So yeah, I like I wish I'd bought more than two, but it's one of those things where it's just like I just got lucky. Yeah. Like I did not want to pay the pre-order price for a Shieldred, which was pre pre-selling for forty. And exactly. I was like I was sitting there, I was like, I'm not paying forty dollars for mm-hmm. a fucking Shieldred. I mean, would it save you twenty dollars at this point? Yeah, and it probably me a lot in of money. perpetuity. I I mean, you know. It would have like paying that forty dollars, I would have been able to like trade up or trade out. And then flip it for something that of higher value, something that is maybe a little bit more eternal. Mm-hmm. Because for a long time, the strategy was you would buy cards and then ride the wave and then hop off the wave before it rotated out of standard because you knew that it was going to fall off a cliff. But standard doesn't exist anymore. And then anything below that, Pioneer, Modern, whatever, is somewhat of an eternal format. You know, like they draw a line where things get cut off. But... Um, those cards, if they find success in those other formats, are going to just stay high forever. Yeah, that's what I was, was going to say. Is it's so hard to just let the sit and lie method work because, like, with the shoulder, that would definitely have been my my thing. I was like, I'm there's no way I'm spending fifty dollars at pre-release. It's ridiculous. I'll pick it up in a month. But then all of a sudden, you know, just like Ledger Shredder, Shoulder gets picked up into standard and any kind of constructed competitive format. And now all of a sudden it's $70. Ledger Shredders are $20, $30. Like, it's hard to know when the it's just a chase card that's, like, getting overhyped and therefore, like, the price is inflated. Or is this actually the next bomb for the next two years? I, I don't know. I, I think there's so much luck to it. And even if you think you know the market... You don't know the market because there's so many different people with different approaches to the market mm-hmm. that like I don't think there's a wise way for the average person who's not operating on like, you know, who who's not a retailer like doing this at high volume to do this in a smart way because there's just too much product to keep up with and there is too much product that you need to make the right choices about for you to come up on the correct end financially speculating you know like at this point we just know the one thing we do know about the market is that commander currently drives a majority of the market and that's Mm -hmm. the one thing that i've noticed with like these waves is that i guess for one card for example go look at joda the unifier at launch that thing was fifty dollars for the like the textured foil, mm. and I know some people who paid that price, right? Because they want it because wow, that card's crazy strong, mm-hmm. right? 
it's six dollars now yeah you know it's like you just the thing we're seeing is like these new short, sets aren't holding value as yeah. well as older sets we're seeing that short-term like attention span just sort of like take effect you see that hot new spicy card like ride the wave up and tick 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 and then it's just like a roller coaster it just bombs down well, out of popularity here's the thing like if it's the wizard's product release cycle if maybe there wasn't another set hot on the heels of joda coming out like there would be more time for him to build an audience and he wouldn't be a 50 dollar card right right maybe a 20 dollar card right now yeah you know? yep exactly like give people a little bit of time maybe to work with the card a little bit and like i think i don't feel too bad about uh phyrexian flesh gorger out of um brother's war i think like that card itself like buying that i think it has a longevity in multiple formats mm-hmm. that i won't necessarily be cutting i'll still cut a loss because there eventually will print a card that just usurps it but um it's yeah it, it's very erratic at the moment it's hard to like really place your bets it almost feels like you're at a casino yeah. uh yeah you're, you're gambling you're yeah. very much gambling yeah that's so, what i say when i buy pa- when i buy packs I, i'm I mean, gambling i used to tell people that yeah. i was like why would you buy packs you're gambling i just go out and buy the singles you want right mm-hmm. and it's turning out that you might have better luck so ripping expensive. packs open. Yeah, singles have yeah. gotten so expensive that just pulling one out of the five packs you bought sometimes just justifies it. Yes, yeah. So <laughs> imagine going out and buying a, a Dominaria pack and you pull a Shieldred right now. You know, like right now, it's just like wow, yep. you just turned it like uh, oh god, what would you pull that uh, Galaxy Foil Sacred? Oh, Foundry. Sacred Foundry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw it. It's just like the luck of the draw sometimes results in a financial. Uh, what do you call that? Um, Windfall. Windfall? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it's neither of these are wise methods of human beings spending their money, I think, yeah. is what it comes down to. And it's like, how do you want to mitigate your loss? Like, what are you, for? I think for me, it's like, what are you more comfortable accepting? Like, uh, do you like the thrill of the gamble and hopefully pulling something good? Or are you going to try to, like, hedge the market? But I, I just don't think that the there's a way for, for the average person to hedge the market right now. Yeah, no, there, there. It doesn't seem that way. There's little hope that there is someone out there who is like can give proper instruction on how to approach this thing. And like, I mean, if you look at the Reddit MTG Finance subreddit, like it, those guys are trying. They're, they're really- trying, but everyone is struggling on yes. that. Like, yeah, it, there's no overconfident anonymous internet person saying I got it figured out right now. Right. Yeah. You know, Alpha Investments was that for a long time while he was a small channel, just like telling people where to go with it and. Um, yeah, he was pretty much spot on most of the time. And now it just feels like the house always wins. And that's just the thing. That's what Wizards is trying to do. That's what Hasbro is trying to do is trying to like sell product because you need chase singles. Mm-hmm. When those chase singles get too expensive, people are more likely to take a chance on a pack than they are to go to the secondary market yeah. and buy cards. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say is like uh, in a general sense too, a lot of the value in this game uh, was generated over the past few years by a good economy, you know, like where people had excess money to spend on the game. So you see that with the sports card market, uh, comic book market, you know, th- other other collectible markets um, where prices were being driven up by people purchasing things. And now that we're heading towards uh, a downturn, uh, generally in the economy, there's going to be less people willing to drop extra money on, you know, that set of fetches or, or anything like that. You right. Know? Yeah. The pandemic changed a lot. It, it gave yeah. hobbies uh, a chance to like root themselves in everybody's lifestyles to say like, mm. hey, like this, I can play magic 
and, and there are so many people like Post Malone out there playing it, and it just kind of changed the way we all approach and look at hobbies now, and how and how we are more approving of them as we uh, move forward. So yeah, but what we didn't expect is how much that was going to affect the the market. For <laughs> yeah, all those well, things. When I mean, when, I remember when lockdown initially happened, and the first thing that I thought was, "Wow, paper magic is not a thing anymore. These prices are just gonna." like go through the floor right like they're just gonna like collapse like this whole market's gonna collapse and it did not it did the exact opposite and it just went through the roof like all the um, reserve list stuff just started going crazy people started doing buyouts and just knowing that like there are a lot of hobbyists out there who are going to be like changing the market so all this money that people had in excess now so yeah the market is a fickle fickle bitch at the moment but it's always great to like touch base and talk about it because it's just a refreshing it's so refreshing to know that everyone else is struggling <laughs> yeah it's just crazy <laughs> to keep, keep tabs on it yeah uh nothing better than shared trauma uh thank you guys for listening to another episode of the mock stars podcast you can find us on youtube and uh all of our links below in the link tree and uh, look for us live streaming on twitch at twitch.tv slash mock mtg and uh hope you guys have a great rest of your day and we're gonna go play some freaking magic yeah let's go play some freaking magic freaking magic all right deuces bye-bye